we're back. All right, this week's episode, Fools in April. Uh, now, in this first season of SpongeBob, they were slamming holiday episodes out left and right. We had Halloween, we had Valentine's Day, and now we have April Fools, uh, which a lot of shows I feel like don't have good April Fools episodes. Like a lot of shows should do April Fools Day episodes, and I can't think of any right now. There probably are. And and if somebody said something, I probably would agree with it. But in the heat of this moment, when I think of quintessential April Fool's episodes of shows, SpongeBob is number one. Uh, maybe because SpongeBob is my favorite cartoon. But, uh, you know, now thinking about it, I think Hey Arnold had a I think they had a decent April Fool's episode. But but see, decent. Decent is not good. This is this is one of my favorite episodes of the first season. I feel like it's in my top ten um, I quote it every year, every April Fool's, I watch it. It's just one of those super... I, I think this is an episode I would show someone if they didn't know of SpongeBob. Now, I, of course, I've, I know a few episodes of SpongeBob that I would show the most cynical SpongeBob hater out there. Somebody who doesn't like the show, I have episodes I would show them that I think they would enjoy. This is an episode that I would show someone who didn't know SpongeBob because it shows off kind of the core of what we enjoy about SpongeBob SquarePants. SpongeBob wakes up on this day and just it's his favorite holiday. He has so much fun. And even though he's comes off as annoying, possibly to Squidward, I mean, he comes off annoying to Squidward. He might come off annoying to people watching the show. But everyone around him by the end is having a fun time. And of course, then when Squidward takes it too far, that's when things turn on him. And I, I like those shows where it happens it, it happens a bunch to Squidward is when Squidward kind of pushes against something and it always comes back and hits him in the face. And, and in this episode, I, don't, I think it happens in the best way possible. Uh, his inability to apologize to SpongeBob to eventually coming out and, and admitting that he actually really likes SpongeBob. And of course, it's in front of everybody as SpongeBob's big final uh, April Fool's joke to Squidward. Um, but yeah, we're going to get right into this. So if you want to watch along, we're going to start at the intro um, and I'll, you'll probably hear the audio slightly in the background. I've gotten some feedback from some people that are like, you know, uh, because we've had some episodes where the, the audio will get chopped up a little bit and it might not sync 100% correctly. I, I think having the audio slightly in the background is not going to hurt that much. Um, but anyway, we're starting right at the intro. Um, right about. Now, okay, so uh, here we have Fools in April. Um, a few things about this episode. Uh, this aired on April 1st and uh, April 1st, 2000, I believe. Let me double check. Yes, perfectly right on the holiday. But here's the crazy thing is that Nickelodeon's, uh, technically their birthday is April 1st. The Nickelodeon was created April 1st, 1979. And this episode aired on Nickelodeon's 21st birthday. So Nickelodeon was got to that legal age of 21 and it was celebrating with SpongeBob because that's how I've celebrated all of my big, big birthdays, something SpongeBob related. Um, but yeah, this is just one of those quintessential SpongeBob Squidward episodes. It's very, you don't have to do too much. You don't have to to have big complex stories you can make it as simple as this 
Um, but this opening gag to to Gary is a little for those that don't know is is a little dark because uh, the whole idea of feeding Gary salted clamshells like snails salt can be deadly to snails. I hope everyone understands that. I mean, uh, when you think of snails and salt, you think about at least I do. I think about that scene in Bugs Life where the snail eats the food at the restaurant and his mouth starts foaming and he's like, hey, I said no salt. But like that's a joke. Sure. But apparently salt is really dangerous for snails. Uh, especially sea snails, as far as I can read. So, uh, but which is crazy, they're in the ocean and it's salt water. Anyway, um, but I always, I always loved the idea of SpongeBob playing an April Fool's Day joke on himself. I, I think to me, I feel like that's a character trait. Like there's just something so unique about him, and no other character you would think to do this, except for I think of. Pee Wee Herman, which is, of course, an inspiration for SpongeBob. And I think of SpongeBob, like characters that would would do that. So, so like in the moment, like uh, I'm, and especially that quote that he says is, um, you know, April Fool's to me, every April Fool's. I think of that. Uh, and I, I, I love this idea, too, that in this moment right here, that Mr. Krabs g- gets in on the joke of pulling a prank on Squidward. Uh Mr. Krabs has to know that Squidward can be a bit of a stick in the mud. So the fact that he would come out and and help facilitate the joke on Squidward is so great. Uh, that's why I kind of like Mr. Krabs. He he has a bit of a young edge to him, uh, which we see in episodes like this. Um, but the fact that they got Squidward so well that there's a famous art critic here and he wants to beat you and uh, that he comes down with the fake mustache, the beret, the cigarette... And we get this great joke of I love the the stop. If if I could have there's many moments in the show that if I could have uh, the the actual cells of Mr. Krabs's eyes widening to the whoopee cushion would be one of those moments I would like to have the cell of. Um, of course, we have uh, we have a bunch of memeable frames in this episode as well one of them right there when spongebob's face kind of kind of shrivels in when he's about to yell april fools at the lady here's the crazy thing did anyone notice watching the show that he tells the old lady where the forks are she picks up the spoon and goes oh this is a spoon and he says april fools she still walks away with the spoon I, i i never realized that as a kid i didn't think about that and it was only a few years ago where somebody i was watching this with uh had mentioned like, oh, she still walks away with the spoon. And I'm like, oh, you know, that's kind of that's kind of funny of her to be told like, no, that's the wrong utensil, and or uh, or she notices the wrong utensil and doesn't do anything. Um, but I I love this this joke is my favorite of the episode is the the fact that SpongeBob the idea that a joke could be take someone pull a prank on somebody by just I don't even know how to explain it the fact that the guy asked for like a few ice cubes and Spongebob's like a good prank is to just put in one ice cube uh, at least on one occasion when I worked at Dunkin Donuts uh, I, I definitely pulled a prank like that on somebody We're like hey can I get a couple more ice cubes in this and you add in one and they might they might not even notice but I definitely played that joke on someone on an April Fool's Day 
uh, while working there. Um, but yeah, this is this is crazy. Where you think the town would be on Squidward's side of just SpongeBob's jokes at work, his his laughter. I mean, the fact that he's eventually laughing into the microphone over the PA system of the Krusty Krab. You, you would want these. I mean, if you were in there, you would probably be annoyed at SpongeBob. And you have these fish sitting there, and you think they'd agree with Squidward. But the second, the fact that Squidward just takes it to a whole other level. I, I like that the town kind of rallies with SpongeBob, which I'm sure they'd have something to say about it. Like, yeah, he is annoying, but you know what? Like, he's, he's inoffensive, you know? Like, you can be annoying... You can be offensive, but then being annoying while being offensive is a, is a lot worse. So just the fact that he's having a fun day, he's he's laughing, like, eh, they just deal with it. You don't really hear from him. I, and I don't really understand Squidward's joke. Um, I mean, his joke is is to just put SpongeBob through these really painful situations. Uh, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't understand. I mean... I guess if you've ever wanted to pull a prank like that on somebody, uh, you, you, I don't really know. I, I guess it's in line with the whoopee cushion where you're you're subverting their idea, like you're having them do something they don't want to do. So you sit on a whoopee cushion, you get the fart noise, you blame it on them, you laugh. This is this, of course, just goes above and beyond a joke. It's literally just Squidward torturing SpongeBob for for a minute or two, slamming him into walls, slamming him into flour. Him falling into a garbage cans. April Fools, you little sausage. <laughs> um, and you feel absolutely terrible for SpongeBob. This this was one of the first episodes that I can remember where kind of things went really bad for SpongeBob for for a second. Um even in episodes where he doesn't get his way, you know, I think about um, the talent show and how he wanted to be a part of the talent show and Squidward keep you know keeps holding him back from from being a part of the show. You you don't really you feel bad for SpongeBob, but then you don't because in the end he's the number one person to be on that stage. In this episode, though, this this whole situation just is terrible for him, uh, and of course it you know he gets his comeuppings a bit. Um, I don't think it's definitely just due. I mean, Squidward just apologized to him and said he liked SpongeBob. Um, it's not really that much of a of a receipt there that SpongeBob should be giving him. Uh, I find it funny that even in here he's he's having trouble apologizing with no one around. But of course, in front of SpongeBob, he he suffers just as much. Uh, crazy thing, we saw Bubble Bass there eating at the Krusty Krab, and SpongeBob obviously getting thrown right through Bubble Bass's chair and his behind. This is Bubble Bass's final appearance in the show until Plankton's Good Eye 11 years later in 2000, uh, 2011. That is crazy. And of course, since then, I think Bubble Bass has, has been more adopted as a, as a minor character. But I, I thought he was a good character. I thought he was he was used fairly well throughout season one. As kind of just this, you know, the the comic books comic book guy style character of Bikini Bottom, and I thought he played a great antagonist in Pickles, somebody who 
doesn't have to be on Plankton's level of, of trying to steal a formula, but just being a, a overall antagonist. And it's kind of crazy that it took him 11 years to bring Bubble Bass back and to find a kind of place for him in the show. Uh, I The whole thing with, with Patrick just digging wearing SpongeBob's hat is just... It's funny, the fact that Squidward goes over, gets everything successfully. And even here, this whole sequence of, of SpongeBob lifting up, taking the, the handle off of his door, to Squidward fully knowing that his clarinet would be torture for some people. Um, <laughs> and, and SpongeBob's, the bit of sass he has here. This whole sequence, I feel like, goes on a, a little bit too long. In my opinion, just the the multiple ways Squidward's trying to apologize. There's a lot of jokes here and there. The of course the bottle, uh, SpongeBob not having a, a bottle opener and then not being able to read the the writing. Um, to Squidward then eventually putting the bubble over his head to say sorry. The tin cans right here and Squidward. This is a lot of a, a lot of visual gags, a lot of gags to get like oh Squidward is struggling to apologize. Goes on like maybe one or two jokes more than it should have. Um, but that, that's just, that's like my one critical point of this episode. Uh, uh, and, and of course I, I like when Squidward can be nice to SpongeBob. Uh, of course we, as fans of the show, we like when he gets angry and, and is just, he's super relatable now these days, the older you get, I'm sure there's a ton of adults. If you're an adult listening to this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That, uh, as a kid, you you laugh at Squidward's kind of pain when he gets egg on his face. But then when you're an adult watching the show, you're like, man, I, I am a Squidward through and through uh, at work, at home. I don't want to be bothered. I want to just do my art. I want to make stuff. I want to create. I don't want to go to my job behind a cash register. And yeah, I'm a bit of a Squidward at work, except for in the cleanliness department. I, I'm, I'm more of a SpongeBob. Um, which is crazy. I think speaking of the episode, they made the actual giant. I really wish I were not here right now buttons uh, that they had a hot topic. But then here's the entire town inside of SpongeBob's house screaming April Fool's on Squidward. Squidward then realizing like the joke that was pulled on him and him trying to like cover face. Ah, I played a joke on you. I was kidding. April Fool's. Um, but I like how the whole town got involved with that with that joke. Uh, that SpongeBob was able to tell everybody, like, hey, come to my house. I don't know how he planned it. I don't know if that was a plan from the beginning. Uh, if he knew, like, uh, Squidward was going to do something bad and, and we're going to, he's going to come apologize. Or if after he left the Krusty Krab, he was upset, cried, went home. Patrick saw him crying. He said, you know, told Squidward, hey, it must have been pretty, you know, see him cry like that. Yeah. He was crying. So probably went home, cried. After five minutes, realized, you know, Squidward might come over and apologize. I'm going to invite everybody over for that moment. And then, boom, got him with the April Fool's. The one the one last big one-two punch. But it's not even that bad of an April Fool's joke. Uh, in terms of, like, actually good April Fool's jokes, I think the one they played on Squidward with uh, Mr. Krabs, having him quickly rush to work to find out it was all a joke, that's the best April Fool's joke in the episode, in my opinion. Second to that, probably Mr. Krabs on the whoopee cushion. Just, just, you can't beat the classics. You just can't. A whoopee cushion is always funny. Uh, try to work it in 
to your daily life if you can. Get somebody to sit on a whoopee cushion. The, the world would be a better place if everybody just tried using whoopee cushions. Uh, but anyway, that is the episode this week. Uh, thank you for watching. Uh, thank you for listening. Um, if you are a fan of the show, if there is any way that you can support us, get the word out about us, please, by all means, shout, get to the top of the mountain and tell them, I'm ready! It is a great podcast. Tell your friends. Share us on social media. Find us on social media. Um, anything, any uh, ideas you guys have for the for the upcoming second season? By all means, I'm still taking in uh, some ideas, and and we will see the structure slightly change here on the show. So take care, everybody. We will see you here next week. And everybody out there, stay safe. Wear your masks. And uh, and by all means, have a wonderful week. Magic Conj, will I ever get to meet Tom Kenny? Maybe someday. Oh, so you're saying there's a chance. Okay, okay. Should I tell fans of the show how they can support us? Yes. Goofy Goobers, supporting the show is shockingly easier than catching a blue jellyfish. Right from our Anchor page, anchor.fm slash spongepod, you can find links to all of our social media and a support button if you happen to have a few extra clams. Also follow us on twitch.tv slash spongebobpodcast, where it's not only the official home to our sister show, Video Bob Game Pants, it's also where I stream live drawings of various Nickelodeon characters and host the opportunity for commissions and giveaways. Lastly, the official merchandise store is now open at redbubble.com slash people slash spongepod, where various designs will be uploaded in Inspired by our show, including our official logo, which is now available on a multitude of products like t-shirts, stickers, duvet covers, and even a shower curtain. This is a podcast by a fan for fans and will always be fan-driven. Any way you see fit on supporting our show is much appreciated. Thank you and enjoy. 2,000 years later. Ahoy, mateys, and welcome to another episode of I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. My name is Captain Eric, and we are continuing our sail through the first season of SpongeBob SquarePants. If you are listening to this, then hopefully you understood the joke that I swapped the two halves of the show today uh, in honor of the April Fools episode of SpongeBob Fools in April. It was like literally a last minute decision. I was like, could I have, you know, what's a good, I mean, it's not April Fool's legitimately, but to celebrate SpongeBob and his April Fool's episode, do I have somebody else host it? What's kind of a good prank? And literally last minute as I was recording, I'm like, I usually record this in two chunks. I can just swap those and people listening will hear the theme and then go right into the episode and then we'll have the, uh, the second, the first half goes second. But, uh, and I'm fine with that because... Man, uh, I, I the only thing that's been on my mind in the last week is is the unfortunate loss of uh, longtime Jeopardy host Alex Trebek. Now, usually, at first, I, I tried to keep things the things I'm talking about SpongeBob related, and I've opened up a little bit about other stuff. But this is actually Nickelodeon related, and and certainly more going on into season two, and just opening up that. Um, just opening up to the level of, of Nickelodeon things I can talk about. And, and yes, it'll always be the, the core of this show will always be SpongeBob because we're watching each episode. Uh, but certainly, you know, opening it up to other Nickelodeon talk, I feel is acceptable. And I, and I feel like anybody listening to this already who likes SpongeBob is already uh, probably a Nickelodeon fan. Um, but I was thinking about Alex Trebek, you know, um, if, if you're a television viewer whatsoever you know of jeopardy you know of alex trebek he is he is a staple and has been a staple in in homes on television for decades 
And it's weird. I went down a bit of a rabbit hole because I, I knew, of course, the big trivia here is that Alex Trebek, you know, was on an episode of, of the Rugrats in their second season. And we'll certainly get to that. Uh, but I went down the rabbit hole of Alex Trebek information. And man, the stuff I found was just incredible. Everything that this guy uh, was about, what he did and, and how much work he's done. Uh, he Alex Trebek uh, does have the record of the longest tenure hosting a game show in history. He won the Guinness. I, when I found the when Guinness uh, World Records gave him that title, it was back in 2014 at his the taping of his 6,829th uh, 6, hosting of Jeopardy. They gave him that that honor. And if you go to the Jeopardy website now, they state that it's over 8,000 that he's made. And uh, as far as I can find. Um, according to IMDb, he has hosted 8,115 times uh, of Jeopardy, which is just uh, bonkers. Just, that's, a, that's such a long time. And he's been doing it since 1984. 1984 until 2020. What was even crazier is that article that I found that wrote, uh, it was actually from Time, um, when, they, when they wrote about Alex Trebek winning this record for hosting the most shows. Right at the bottom of the article, they, they write, Trebek is expected to retire after the 2015-2016 season of Jeopardy. And I just smiled reading that because, man, I, I guess he was kind of lingering retirement for a few years, but he hosted Jeopardy until the day he died. Which, man, and when you, when you think about this, I mean, in American television, there's only a handful of these legacy game shows, these game shows that have just been on for decades and they're staples. And, and the top three that come to mind in no particular order are, are Jeopardy, Wheel of Fortune, and The Price is Right. Um, and, and they're kind of, they're, they're almost in these like different age ranges where, of course, as adults, everybody loves these shows. But I remember as a kid, and I feel like most kids feel like this, you don't really, to, you don't really get to see a lot of Price is Right unless you stay home from school. Like during the summer when you're waking up early and you're you're into this new world of like the the morning uh, all the morning shows and the 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 court shows and the soap operas, uh, you'll catch the prices right. And it's as a kid, that's the funnest. That's one of the funnest shows to watch because it's so colorful. There's a lot of lights, the different games they play. You fall in love with Plinko, just like everyone else does. And then as a kid, when you're getting a little bit older, you can then enjoy Wheel of Fortune because it's it's easy, but it's hard. You know, as the puzzle goes on, it's still colorful. There's still lights. And as the puzzle goes on, you can play with your parents and you can kind of help guess what it is. And and as a kid, out of the three of those shows, Jeopardy is the one that uh, you're, you're either really into as a kid or you're not. And I don't know many kids that were really into Jeopardy. I remember as a child... My aunt and I would watch these game shows together. We would watch Hollywood Squares. We would watch Wheel of Fortune. And we would watch Jeopardy. And I will be honest here. Jeopardy as a game show as a kid was my least favorite. But Alex Trebek was my favorite game show host. Because there was... So, that guy was so perfect for that job. He was so earnest in his delivery of that show. He was a no BS game show host, and especially a show that is all about intelligence. He he was the perfect, it was a perfect match made in heaven. That's why it worked. The Jeopardy he was hosting was actually a reboot. Um, there was an original run of Jeopardy uh, from that started in 1964, 
and I forgot how many years it went, and I know I'm not going to do that much Jeopardy research, but it went a decent amount of time, I think, in, in, in during the day, and it went down, and then it was kind of rebooted with this syndicated version. That's when Alex Trebek took over, and, you know, to give credit where credit's due, not only with uh, Alex Trebek, it's that uh, he has also had uh, Johnny Gilbert was the announcer of the show, the guy that would call him out, super iconic, just as iconic as as Alex Trebek is. Uh, Johnny Gilbert appeared in uh, 8,115 episodes of the show. So kudos to Johnny Gilbert um, and, and Alex Trebek there. Uh, just an incredible team, incredible show, and, and the shoes are too big to fill. But you know what? We've said that before. And things tend to work out pretty well. Uh, when David Letter- David Letterman stepped, uh, we'll, we'll go back to um, Jay Leno. I mean, Jay Leno took over for Johnny Carson on the Tonight Show, and they thought those those shoes were too big to fill. Johnny Carson and Jay Leno did a, a great career for himself. And then when he left, and Jimmy Fallon took over, they thought you know those shoes those shoes are too big to fill. And Jimmy Fallon's done a great job for himself. Stephen Colbert has done a wonderful job. Uh, taking over for David Letterman and Trevor Noah has done a wonderful job at taking over for Jon Stewart and The Daily Show. So it's just about finding somebody who fits that role well. And I and I saw the the list of potential candidates and the only one that really sticks out other than Betty White, I guess, being somebody that Trebek maybe have been joking about having her take over. But I would love a Betty White hosted Jeopardy. I just don't know if she could handle that whatever that schedule is and and constantly being lightning fast but hey i would watch an episode of of jeopardy hosted by betty white uh ken jennings who is literally the probably the greatest of all time of jeopardy and and not only that the the fact that he won the greatest of all time competition this past year uh so so yeah ken jennings would probably be somebody that i would i would I'll say would do well in that spot and would be respected for taking over for Alex Trebek. Uh, But anyway, on to Alex Trebek and Rugrats. Um, Of course, episodes of Jeopardy have have appeared in many movies and television shows as kind of the background. You know, if you've seen Groundhog Day, it's it's one of the big scenes of uh, Phil going through Groundhog Day over and over and over again and eventually seeing the same episode of Jeopardy so much that he's able to uh, answer the questions before they happen, which is you know one of the funnier parts of the show when he looks over at the woman and answer it like so lightning fast and they're all shocked and clapping for him, uh, even though he's just seen the same episode over and over again. But this episode of the Rugrats he was on, which is what was weird, is I randomly watched this episode a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I was just on at home, put on Hulu, put on Rugrats, selected an episode in the second season, and it was either this episode or or one before this. I, I only watched about um, forty five minutes to an hour of Rugrats, but and I completely forgot that Alex Trebek was on the show until I was listening to the character Alan Quebec, and I'm like. That definitely sounds like Alex Trebek and looked it up and was like, oh, man, that's crazy. Uh, so the episode Game Show Didi, it is the the 37th, part one of the 37th episode of the Rugrats, the 71st episode overall, including the original pilot. Um, so, yeah, Alan Quebec is the host of a show called Super Stumpers, which is pretty much like Jeopardy in a way. I don't think there's a game board. It just seems like uh, Alan asks questions and you just buzz in with the answer. Um, but what was crazy is I didn't realize until I was, re- I just looked up this episode was that, uh, the character against, uh, uh, Dee Dee in this episode is a character 
voiced by Charles Nelson Riley, who is a, a fairly famous uh, actor, comedian. Um, he was a director of, of some projects. Uh, but he plays the character against Dee Dee called Edmund Hayes. Haynes. Edmund Haynes. Um, uh, so I didn't know that. But then here's the here's the the circle right around back to SpongeBob is that uh, Charles Nelson Riley is also the original voice of the Dirty Bubble in SpongeBob and also voiced the Dirty Bubble in SpongeBob SquarePants Lights Camera Pants. Uh, and, and Charles Nelson Riley uh, unfortunately passed away in, on May 25th, 2007 at 67, 76 years old. So that was crazy how this entire loop went from uh, Alex Trebek to Rugrats to Charles Nelson Riley all the way back to SpongeBob. So everything works out in the end. But yeah, um, what was even crazier is that uh, uh, ep- Rugrats episode 55B, uh, the second part, it's the 107th episode overall. It's uh, an episode in which Chucky and his father become rich. They win one of those publisher clearinghouse things where I don't know if you remember this they don't really do it now or at least I have not seen videos of it but through the 90s the publisher's clearinghouse their commercials would have uh, somebody with a giant like check like a million dollars they'd go up to a winner's house they would knock on the door and the person would open the door and see the cameras and the balloons and the giant check and like freak out Um, and as far as I know the publisher's clearinghouse is basically a scam and there's a few episodes that have delved into this. Uh, one of them, Doug, there's an episode of Doug that deals with kind of one of these scams where they just kind of keep you on a very short leash where they keep kind of egging you to give them money because you have a chance to win. And even though in the end there's a, there should be a legitimate winner and there is one, but it's like, it's just like it's a lottery. You're just paying, you know, instead of buying a scratch ticket for like 20 bucks, you're like giving this company, I don't know how much, like $50, and every month you're entered for a chance to win a million or something. But anyway, the only reason I bring this up is because this episode, um, the the company that brings over Chaz Finster, his giant check, uh, it's, it's Pat Sajak, who is the host of Wheel of Fortune, but it's not like a fake parody of Pat Sajak it's actually Pat Sajak so I thought that was weird that they didn't just you know have Alex Trebek play himself hosting a different show or maybe that was the reason they were like oh let's make a parody of Jeopardy and we'll make a parody of Alex and then Alex can come in and voice himself Um, but then with Pat Sajak I mean it wasn't like he was hosting a game show he was just giving this giant check to Chaz and he looks so off model to any other Rugrats characters go and watch that episode uh, the the Pat Sajak that they have in Rugrats looks like he's from a completely different uh, cartoon. He just looks so weird, and it's striking when you open the door. You have this guy with these big, colorful eyes come in, and, and uh, you know, obviously, if you know who Pat Sajak is, you're like, oh, man, wow, that's pretty cool. But, yeah, I thought that was weird that uh, Super Close Together, uh, they, they had season two, they brought in Alex Trebek, season three, Pat Sajak. Um, and I don't know if they ever got Bob Barker to do Rugrats, but that was crazy. Alex Trebek, unfortunately, didn't do SpongeBob, which the, the second I was kind of, you know, w- before I record episodes, I have things going through my head of things I'd like to talk about. And when I was thinking about this, it was really weird that that they wouldn't have done a Jeopardy parody on SpongeBob. 
And I'm thinking like, man, how funny is it? Which this is my this is my idea for the episode. So if uh, if SpongeBob ever copies this, you know where it came from first. But I thought it would be funny if Squidward like got wind he got accepted to be on this game show uh, and, you know, was bragging to everybody like how hard it is to get in. And SpongeBob and Patrick then get in onto the game show super easily just to, you know, like that upset Squidward. And uh, the idea that Squidward, when you go onto these shows, I think there's, especially Jeopardy, there's like an entire, um, I don't know if they give you like pointers on things that could be or not uh, uh, possible like categories or whatnot, but you have to do a lot of studying for Jeopardy. So I just thought it'd be funny that if Squidward studied literally everything except for these five sections, like there's 500 different categories they could possibly pick. And there's five that are like jellyfishing and mermaid man and barnacle boy and fry cooking, like everything that SpongeBob and Patrick would probably be really good at. Like, you know, sleep, you know, our next category, uh, sleeping under a rock. It's like, that would just be so funny to me how Squidward would do all this studying, all this preparation, all this bragging, getting on the show, SpongeBob and Patrick get on with no effort whatsoever and then, like, all of the categories on that one episode are everything SpongeBob and Patrick would be really good at. Um, and then you have Alex Trebek play a parody of himself or, you know, it's just Alex Trebek as a fish. I think that would be funny, too. But, um, no, unfortunately, he didn't do SpongeBob. But an illustrious career, he will absolutely be missed. He is a, he is a bona fide legend in television history. And... Um, you know, there's just even though somebody eventually will take over Jeopardy and, and will will do well with it, just like Drew Carey did when Bob Barker stepped down from The Price is Right, that you can take over and do a good job, but you can't you'll never get to that level like you'll be under it. But um, yeah, the Alex Trebek's shoes are way too big to fill and, and somebody will do a great job. But like this is this is the game show legend of television. But uh, you will be missed, Alex. Uh, anyway, so we're going to take a quick break before we get into the April Fool's episode. And obviously, if you are listening to this, this is the end. So thank you for listening. But uh, yeah, we'll be right back. I'm ready! Magic Conj, will I ever get to meet Tom Kenny? Maybe someday. Oh, so you're saying there's a chance. Okay, okay. Should I tell fans of the show how they can support us? Yes. Goofy Goobers, supporting the show is shockingly easier than catching a blue jellyfish. Right from our Anchor page, anchor.fm slash spongepod, you can find links to all of our social media and a support button if you happen to have a few extra clams. Also follow us on twitch.tv slash spongebobpodcast, where it's not only the official home to our sister show, Video Bob Game Pants, it's also where I stream live drawings of various Nickelodeon characters and host the opportunity for commissions and giveaways. Lastly, the official merchandise store is now open at redbubble.com slash people slash SpongePod, where various designs will be uploaded inspired by our show, including our official logo, which is now available on a multitude of products like t-shirts, stickers, duvet covers, and even a shower curtain. This is a podcast by a fan for fans and will always be fan-driven. Any way you see fit on supporting our show is much appreciated. Thank you and enjoy. 